Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, my name is Joe Armstrong. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Angela Easterling. Angela Easterling currently lives on a South Carolina farm that has been in her family since 1791. In a nation of transplants and immigrants, that's nearly an eternity. And this grounding connection with the land permeates her music with a sense of the realities of beauty, joy, tragedy, and drudgery of what makes up a life. Easterling didn't always make the family farm her home. She was brave and crazy enough to move to Los Angeles to pursue her dreams in music, but the parable of finding that what one is looking for can be under one's feet is certainly applicable to her career. Easterling knows the value of hard work, and over the course of several albums, her songs have earned her accolades in songwriting circles as well as top the Americana Top 40 chart. Though her most recent album, Common Law Wife, was recorded in Nashville, her new batch of songs finds Easterling singing about the life she has created on that farm in South Carolina with her partner, facile guitarist Brandon Turner, and their growing family. Sometimes, your dreams don't turn out the way you planned. Sometimes, they turn out better. Welcome to Independence Day, Angela Easterling. Hey, Angela. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. Welcome to California. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, so you are, which Carolina are you from? You're, I always, I mean, I don't get them confused. <laughs> I know exactly which one's which. Yeah. I know that the North Carolina is the northern of the two That's Carolinas. Right. And it's the longer shaped one. Because I, I can name all 50 states very, very easily. Some kids are terrible. <laughs> Anyways, which one are you from? We're from the southern. Southern one. Yeah. Okay. And are you closer to the coast or are you more inland? We're more inland. We're kind of right in the foothills of the mountains there, the western, okay. northwestern part of the state. Very We're actually very, nice. very close to the border with North Carolina and Georgia. Very nice. And when you say we, introduce your wingman. This is uh, Brandon Turner, who uh, over here with me today. He is my musical yeah. partner and my life partner Hello, as well. Hello, folks. Hey, Brandon. How are you, man? Hey. Welcome. Right. Thank Do you. Do uh, real quick, give me your breast, Boomhauer. Oh, Boomhauer. That's pretty good. We were, as we were setting things up, we were kind of making some, uh, some good jokes about king of the hill and how to do a good boom how you actually have to be saying something it's not just That's gibberish right. you know you kind of actually just but you kind of warp it you know it's like i'm not thinking i'll come to california use some very nice song for us and play a guitar that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a Southern person can probably just pick it right up. Yeah. Anyway, so you guys are out in California on kind of a, a mini yeah. tour. Uh, yeah. Just a handful of dates, right? Yeah, about a week, a little over a week. Yeah. And then why? I mean, that's kind of, it's pretty far. I know you do yep. a lot of dates, but that's right. kind of far right. for you. I mean, most of your touring, it seems like looking at your website, kind of East Coast, up and down, inland, yeah. Tennessee, et cetera, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Why, why California? Well, I actually used to live in Los Angeles oh. and for, for a few years. And so I love getting the chance to come back because it, it's kind of a home base for me. Yeah. It's really where I discover alt country and Americana music. And I have still have lots of friends yeah. here. So um, uh, with a new CD out, it just seemed like a good time to make a trip out west. But um, it's actually Brandon's first trip to California. What so, do you think, Brandon? I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Really nice. Would you come back? Maybe so. <laughs> would you tell me if you wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. the, probably the, not. His least favorite part was probably the plane ride over here. Oh, really? Is it flying a thing? I've, yeah, but I, I've become a vegan since I've been here, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vegan, only only free-range chickpeas. That's right. Yeah. Is what you think. Yeah. Except for yeah. if there's an In-N-Out burger nearby. Yeah. You know what, man? I It's funny you should bring that up because I'm I'm kind of listing towards veg 
the older you know as, as I go through my life. I mean, I grew up with a Midwestern Southern diet, but the like the the one well one and a half things that I can't get away from is barbecue. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, in northern Alabama, where my I have lots of relatives, mm-hmm. it's the North Carolina style, which is probably pretty similar to what vinegar, you guys have gone. Vinegar based sauce? Yeah, vinegar sauce, mm-hmm. no tomato sauce, right. dry rub, smoked pulled pork, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, so I, it's so hard for me to get away from that. It's yeah. just so good. And then the what I call the, it's become like an, a thing in my life, the occasional cheeseburger. Yeah. Like I yeah. use that phrase every single time, but I just try to make occasional as occasional as possible. Yeah. Is the thing. Anyway, so um, now you did a handful of shows. Uh, the record you were just talking about, Common Law Wife, which right. is your most recent record, is your fifth album, fifth I think. Fifth album, that's and right. And it just came out in August, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, tell me, obviously, but you, it's it brought you to California. You uh-huh. wanted to kind of share with the folks here and the people that you knew while you were here, played a handful of shows. You did Suzanne yeah. O'Keefe's yeah, Honky, uh, Honky Tonk, Tonk Hacienda at El Cid and did a few songwriter showcases around town. We also okay. played uh, a little north of uh, L.A., we played up in Santa Barbara and then went way up north and played in Berkeley and then headed down uh-huh. and did a gig around San Diego. So we tried to hit several spots Yeah, so you got the, t- while the, we're out the, here. the tour. Yeah. What's yeah. been your, I mean, obviously you, you've, been, you've lived in Los Angeles, so you yeah. know, like the particular insanity that, that goes on here. <laughs> uh, but I can, this is for both of you, but like yeah. what, so far, like in California, what's been your favorite thing that you've experienced or like new place or new thing? Was it on a gig? This, was it a town? Was it a drive? Was it yeah. a scenic vista? On this last trip? Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I really enjoyed getting to play the Libero Theater in Santa oh, yeah. Barbara. It's just, it was such a beautiful theater with just amazing sound and did a great crowd. Did you do a Sims Like Hell event? We did. Oh, we did. Peggy Jones. And um, that was that was really incredible. And I have to say my other favorite thing is we went up to uh, the Muir Woods up north of San Francisco. And um, I always... Uh, Getting to see the redwood or sequoia trees is for me such yeah. a like grounding and inspiring ex- experience, and um, I really wanted Brandon to get to see them while we were here, and so that was absolutely a, a highlight. Yeah, it's you can't. I'm almost speechless when I think about those. Yeah. I mean, and that's it's hard to not be when you stand underneath those trees. Like for me, it's it's a very very spiritual experience, yeah. and if you camp among them. Would you have you ever get a chance I to have, do that? I went camping in Sequoia many, yeah. many years ago. It was really amazing. We, but the coastal ones are different, though. Like, yeah. Because uh, I've certainly camped a lot up in the Sierra Nevadas. It's my, it's like my favorite thing to do in the whole world. But if you camp among the coastal redwoods, it's this really weird because it's they they grow really well in like dry or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like really kind of misty, cool areas, yeah. which is why they grow along the coast, right? Right. But it's also got that kind of California dry mixed in too. Yeah. So it's this really crazy mixture of misty and dry and <laughs> cool all at the same time. And there's a smell. The first time that I camped in a redwood forest, yeah. I, I, it, I, maybe I died or maybe <laughs> I was a tree or something. I didn't try to believe in, in reincarnation. But anyway, it's just so fantastic. Brandon, what was your favorite thing that you've seen? This is like all new to you. Yeah, we went, uh, I like to fish and do a lot of, I do a lot of pier fishing uh, where, on the East Coast where we're you know, uh, from, and we went out to the what pier? Malibu. We went to Malibu, and uh, and caught some uh, 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 Pacific mackerel. Uh, and uh, uh, folks out there, that's that's what mainly what they were pulling up. Whereas, yeah. like we're, when when we go fish, we fish a lot at Myrtle Beach, and uh, you end up uh, mainly catching uh, what I call trash fish in, in the middle <laughs> of uh, you know a- occasional Spanish mackerel or some good fish. Whereas uh, here, it seemed like at least yesterday they were. A, uh, you know, everything you caught was a decent eaten fish, you know. <laughs> eaten fish, I eaten like that. Fish, yeah. He also That's... pulled in a bird. <laughs> oh, my God. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hooked a up a big, because I was pulling in one of those macros and one of those, this big cummerin bird, he'd come up and tried to eat it, and he got all 
tangled in my line, and I had to pull him up on the pier and get him in a headlock and pull the hooks out of him. But he was we, he was okay. It's like one of those good good work. It's yeah. like one of those YouTube videos you see all yeah. the time of people saving. Everyone was gathered around yeah. and. and you know, what you don't is know on is that that YouTube video has gone viral. Yeah. Ten million people, Brandon, have seen you remove that bird, which is that's the way. It's so He's funny the way hero. our industry is now because, like, you know, that's probably more people than I will ever see do my music right. stuff. But everybody yeah. sees you doing arcane things, a crazy you stuff. Do something weird, and it's a huge hit. Totally, totally. Anyway, all right. So my guest this week, Angela Easterling, she is a South Carolina-based singer-songwriter. She's got her fifth record. It's called Common Law Wife. Just came out back in August, which is not so long ago. She is here with her wingman and partner and musical partner. He's a great guitar player. I can't wait for you guys to hear him play. She's also a great singer. So uh, the first song we're going to play here is from the record. It's actually the song. It's called Throwing Strikes, correct? Yep, that's Tell it. Tell me just a little bit about it and we'll play it. I'm a huge baseball fan, so there ha- there's a baseball element in there, Throwing Strikes. Yeah. It also has a lot to do with uh, the area where we live, where a lot of the textile mills that used to th- really thrive have been shutting down. So yeah. I was trying to combine those two things together into a song. Very nice. Baseball is a sore spot for me right now because the Cubs made it to the playoffs, but lost. I know, but it's okay. Honestly, I, I was I was rooting for them. I'm sorry to see this. that. I actually ex- <laughs> I expected because I don't think I didn't think it was going to be this year. Yeah. Like it's because they kind of kind of have to build into it. But well, uh, but I joke. Baseball's over for me this year. Yeah, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I can commiserate with the with the long wait. But the Cubs fans have been waiting even longer than the Red Sox fans had to wait. So yeah. I was sorry to see that. Yeah, it'll, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen someday. As long as it's not another 108 years, we'll be good. <laughs> so all right, uh, Angela Easterling and Brandon Turner on Independence Day with their track "Throwing Strikes." was raised in this mill hill town that's where my family settled down daddy worked the mill like the folks we knew and when i grew up i worked there too but in high school on the baseball team threw an old head against the rebels one spring scouts came around and i was packing up to leave this town Training. I got cut, so I took my tape 
I am Joe Armstrong. Welcome to Independence Day. This week's guest, Angela Easterling. That's a great song and is from her most recent record, and that record is called Common Law Wife. Just came out back in August, so very recently. Talk to me about making an album in 2015 versus making an album. I mean, your earliest album came out, I guess it wasn't that terribly long ago, 2007? Yeah. But it must yeah. have changed even in that time. Like, were you doing, um, did you do, they had Pro Tools in 2007. Yeah, I've, all of my regular releases have been on Pro Tools. The only time I recorded anything that wasn't Pro Tools was when when I was in college and I was just doing demo tapes yeah. and I went in a studio and did, did some analog stuff and they gave me these huge, yeah. enormous <laughs> tapes I had to take home and keep up with. But really, um, I guess pretty much as long as I've been music, doing music, yeah. it's um, it's been Pro Tools unless you know, you've know you got more of a budget or, or, right. or more time, which usually I don't have. Right. So the digital thing is good for us. Yeah, now speak to me, but the technology has still kind of changed around us That's, in terms yeah. of like being in the studio. There yeah. wasn't really an iPhone back right. then that, you know, or like a smartphone. Right. Like that's changed everything. Like you can't shoot, you can shoot a video on your phone now. You couldn't yeah. do that even 10 years ago or right. eight years ago. Right. So, uh, so you're doing albums digitally, you're, really, but you're pressing CDs though. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I still, I still, um, the type of music that I play, which is Americana and alt country type of music, I find that my fan base and, and a good bit of my CD sales are at live shows. And yeah. I find that my fan base still wants a CD. I'm sure that a lot of people um, can get away with not doing an album, just doing right. a download card or something like that. And I've tried doing download cards. And what I found is that for me, they just didn't sell. I yeah. don't know if I have a, tend to have maybe an older fan base or something, but right. they, they mm -hmm. still want when they come to an album, uh, a concert, they want to leave with the album, with the CD, with the yeah. autograph, something they can look at, see who played on it. Right. Um, so for now, we're still doing uh, physical yeah, CDs. Yeah, the download card thing is it's clunky is the best yeah. word that I can think of for it. Like it works, it's functional, but I think I think maybe the disconnect is that it puts the onus on the person to then to take an go, extra step to yeah, do something. Yeah. Because you know they could even buy the card and lose the card. Right. They could buy the card and flush it down the toilet, leave it in their jeans pocket and wash yeah. their pants or what you know yeah. whatever right and so but then they have to go home and do something and right. now that we've you know we've got a whole generation of people who've been disconnected from purchasing music mm -hmm. so the kids but they're i mean it seems to me like those are the kids who are downloading Katy perry yeah or those are I the kids right. who are downloading uh taylor swift taylor swift yeah. or whatever right yeah uh, and then the spotify generation as well the streaming are you on streaming services too yeah i'm the new album i haven't put it on on uh the streaming services yet i'm still kind of uh, playing that out in my mind as far as if I want to yeah. do that because I haven't really found it to be uh, profitable. Yeah. Um, but I, it is on, I do have it all on iTunes and, and Amazon and the different places that you can purchase a download. Yeah. I have, have it on all of those. Are you in CD Baby? Yes. Because I know CD, CD Baby, Baby, like kind of nowadays, they just automatically, maybe there's a checkbox or something. You have to opt something. out. You, you have to opt, opt out, out of okay. it. And, you, and then you can opt back in if you want to. Okay. But for now, I have, I have some of my older albums, my previous albums yeah. are on Spotify and Pandora and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm still kind of, I might wait like a year or something like that and, and, and put it up there. I'm, I'm yeah. still kind of like weighing that out. It's such a, for people who aren't musicians, who aren't songwriters, who aren't trying to get revenue through there, maybe they don't even think about it in these terms. Right. But every now and again, I'll get like a, down or an itemized like 
pay a check mm -hmm. with an itemized receipt from like, oh, you got three cents from Pandora. Yeah. And you got three <laughs> cents from some streaming service in Laos. You yeah. got three, you know. And yeah. it's and the thing that kills me is that, granted, a lot of that's probably automated, but the postage and the processing right. for that thing probably cost more than I made. Yeah. Doing yeah. those types of things. David Lowry from Cracker, uh -huh. uh, he writes uh, on his blog, and, you know, he's kind of an advocate for getting musicians paid. He spends a lot of time and effort trying to raise awareness about that very topic. Right. How we're getting the shaft. Yeah. From these streaming services. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, you spend, I mean, not only do you put your heart and soul and everything into the album, album, but you spend a lot of money making it, making it sound good. You right. want to go in a good studio that's got good equipment. You want to, you know, work with great people and good musicians. And then you're, you're hiring a designer and you're yeah. hiring a photographer and, and there's a lot of, uh, expense that goes into it and and i would like to at least recoup that expense before i put my album on something where i'm basically giving it away for free yeah now with your other albums i mean it's i don't know i'm trying to think of like making an album nowadays a kind of you know independent level right you know you can make you could probably make a record you know with all those things for i don't know three grand four grand maybe depending on the studio you go into you know, and then you turn around and do replications, another yeah. couple grand, you know, your other albums. Because, I mean, I've got several hundred records just sitting mm -hmm. in a closet right behind you, <laughs> behind our little studio here. Um, are, did you break even with the other records? Yeah, oh, I did. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, my first album, especially because I really, I, I recorded it over years <laughs> when I could scrape together yeah, yeah. A, a few pennies to get into the studio and the musicians I paid, you know, were mostly my friends and I would make cookies for them. That was yeah, here in yeah. LA, actually. My first yeah. album was recorded in Los Angeles. And um, so I would, you know, just scraping pennies together whenever I could get in a studio. Sometimes it was getting in a studio that was closed all night and we'd be in there all night recording. Yeah. Um, and that one actually, I've gotten so many licensing tracks from it that I paid for it. It's paid for itself many, many times over um, just from, you know, licensing fees and stuff. And that, that actually contributes a lot, you know, yeah. synchronizing on uh, whether, whether it's uh, commercials or online stuff or video games or those kinds of things really, really help yeah. uh, to, to, you know, kind of round out the edges when you're trying to put together a, a, a living from being an independent artist. I think the days of being like Tom Waits or Bruce Springsteen where you don't let your music be used in anybody's right. commercial or anything. I think those days are kind of gone. Oh, or it's yeah. a luxury if you can afford to do that. Yeah. Now musicians need every conceivable revenue that's stream right. that they can possibly find. Yeah, that's and, true. And, you know, because every... Uh, whereas... It's funny, we talk about technology on the show a lot and mm -hmm. how, you know, it's empowered us as musicians because now we can make an album for more cheaply than we've ever been right. able to make before Yeah, because you can do it on Pro Tools, which you can buy for a few hundred bucks, Yeah, buy a couple microphones or even a studio. The prices of studios, the big studios have been gutted. Yeah, You know, there's not that many left. There's a lot of like mid-range and low, mm -hmm. low cost studios, but they can have great gear and you can get great sounds if you yeah. know what you're doing for almost nothing. Yeah. But at the same time that that's come down, the revenue that musicians are making has also plummeted because the mm -hmm. whole rest of the industry bottom has fallen out. That's right. Because the engineers aren't being paid as much, the producers aren't being paid as much, the musicians aren't being mm -hmm. paid as much. Because the, even though there are more revenue streams, it's more diffuse. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm glad to hear that you're making some money at it. Yeah, I feel really lucky. I mean, we've we've got um, we've got a little boy, and and uh, when we found out he was on the way, I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep on playing music really yeah. for a living because I was thinking, how am I, you know, how are we going to support this child? And 
uh, so far, you know, so far, knock on wood, we've, yeah. we've been able to, you know, scrape enough things together between CD sales and live shows and, yeah. and, and, and downloads and, and licensing and things like that. You know, yeah. you just have to really always have your head up and be looking for, you know, if I hear someone got their song on a TV show, I'll, I'll be like, which licensing thing are you with? And I'll try to get my stuff in that library. You know, it's just like trying to have it in as many libraries as possible. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, you know, it's it's a full time job. It really yeah. is. It's not just you know. I would love to just be able to write songs and make albums all day. Yeah. I would love that. Would be a luxury. I would love. But yeah, um, they're spending a lot of time, you know, booking shows and and finding other revenue streams. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. But first, let's play a live song. Okay, because you guys have come all the way to California just to play on our show. <laughs> <laughs> a kid, a kid, a kid. <laughs> Uh, so what have you got for us? What's this first song going to be? Well, let's do the title song on the new CD. This is Common Law Wife. And uh, I just mentioned about how when we found out we had a baby on the way, it was kind of a surprise for us. Um, As it I, is for so many people. Yeah. <laughs> I hired this guy to play uh, gigs with me because I liked his guitar playing. And we spent some time together. And one thing led to another. And and there we were. And uh, so this song, and w- as well as some of the other songs on the new CD, relate to our sort of surprise journey into a family life. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I can't wait to talk more about it. Angela Easterling with her wingman partner, great guitar player too, Brandon Four, Turner on Independence two, Day. Three. Come on, love, wait. 
talking with Angela Easterling. That's a song that's on, you can find on her most recent record. It's the title track from that record called Common Law Wife. If you want to buy a copy, please do, of course. Drop by one of her shows, although most of her shows are on the East Coast. You can also drop by AngelaEasterling.com. You can find her on Facebook at Angela, e- I'm sorry, Facebook.com slash Angela Easterling Music. And you can follow her on Twitter at Angel Easterling because you had to drop the A just to make it fit. It was either Angel Easterling or Angela Easterling. Angela Easter, yeah. <laughs> I know it would be a hard choice, like for trying to figure out which, you know, what you're going to drop to make it make sense. I know. It's kind of not fair. It's like, how can you tell me my name is too long? It's <laughs> my name. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not, I mean, it's funny because when you hear your name, like it's a very, uh, it's a very lyrical name. Uh, thank Angela you, Angela Easterling. It kind of yeah. rolls off the tongue very well. It's a lyrical phrase unto itself. Um, but it doesn't when you when you say it, it doesn't strike me as being a particularly long yeah. phrase to yeah. be, to use for that. It's, it seems so. That how many characters is that? One, two, three, four, five. I don't know, 12, it's 50, it's one too many. <laughs> it's one too many. Bastards, Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Bastards. Anyway, but please buy her music. That's how we musicians, you know, keep doing what we're doing, and that's kind of what we're talking about right now, like being yeah. full time music. So, mm-hmm. when was the last time you did something other than music t- for money? Or I mean, are, are you full time? You're still full. Full-time yeah. music now? When I lived in uh, Los Angeles, I did. I um, I did kids' birthday parties for a living. Like playing music and, and I, you like dressed as a clown or anything? Oh, no, I never had to do a clown. But I, I would I would go like do guitar, sing-along shows and play the wheels on the bus and the Itsy Bitsy Spider and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And I also did princess parties. So I did oh, Snow God. White and Sleeping Beauty You're and Cinderella. You're part of the princess industrial complex. I was. I was a princess. When I lived in L.A., I was a princess for hire. And um, it was fun. I actually enjoyed it. But, you know, I just thought this isn't what I want to do with my life. And I had to work so much just to make my rent that I really felt like I wasn't getting to play music as much as I wanted to. And that was one of the reasons I decided to move back to the East Coast. It's expensive here. I've got high overhead. Yeah. You know, I always tell people you know, when the weather is nice, you know, when it's snowing back in my hometown of Chicago, I just say, man, I pay, I mean, I'm here in LA and it's yeah. 78 degrees. Like I pay a lot of money for this weather. Right. It's a conscious choice. I mean, I chose to live away from my family. My family, yeah. I don't have any family here at all. Right. So, you know, uh, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I found myself very depressed for half the year living in a cold, bleak climate. So, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it offsets it. You know, I miss my family, but man, it's beautiful here. Yeah. I love California. Yeah. So what, what? I, mean, I want to talk some more about like being full-time music, but real right. quick, what, what brought you to California? Was it music? Was it chasing dreams like well, that? Well, yeah, and yeah, definitely chasing dreams when you say that. I, I um, went to college. I went to Emerson College in Boston. Oh, very and we nice. Talk about cold weather. And yeah, I, I went love, to Berkeley for a little while, right, oh, right, cool. right around the corner from there. Yeah, and I love, love Boston, but I'm, I'm from the South, and the, the snow and stuff is, was really hard for me. And so they, my school actually has a campus in Los Angeles, and they still do. And so I came, I came out to L.A. and finished up school in L.A. and then stayed on for a few years after that. What was music part of that decision, like oh, aside yeah. from just the weather? and? Yeah, okay. absolutely. It was, it was music. I majored in musical theater in college. So I wanted to – I started out kind of doing more acting side of thing and plays and stuff. And then um, – but I always loved to sing. So when I was a freshman in college, I got my first guitar, started playing songs, and had written my first song within a week. And um, what I really loved about it, aside from songwriting and having that form of creativity and expression, was that I could create my own opportunities and I could go out and play at open mics and coffee houses and stuff. Whereas with theater, I was always waiting for someone to cast me or for there to be an audition. And and, um, I just wanted to get out there and do it. So um, that was one of the things that I really loved. And as soon as I started writing, I started going out and playing and 
coffee houses and stuff around Boston and, and uh, just kind of cutting my teeth doing that. And when I moved out to LA, I was doing the same kind of thing, going around to open mics, booking some gigs. And, and I kind of fell in with the uh, alt country and Americana group that was going at the time. It was a, just a really cool scene. And it seems like a, they seem like strange bedfellows to me, like yeah. musical theater and, and <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people country. Think that. Because I feel like uh, you know, having, I've known lots of actors and actresses right. in my day. I mean, I was in show choir in high school. Yeah. I wore a white getup with uh, red sequin <laughs> vest and. <laughs> dance shoes and the whole yeah. nine I had a blast doing it honestly I wouldn't yeah, trade it for fun. anything it was so much fun but I didn't I didn't I mean I've been in a couple plays and a couple of musicals in yeah. high school but I kind of stopped doing that because music was my, my right. main thing all the way along and songwriting was also my, became my thing too um, but you know that's like I don't know how else to describe it without sounding pejorative, but it's like all da da da. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. all kind of sheen and it's entertainment. And it smiles yeah. and it's jazz hands and it's yeah. you know, and it's like you said, it's like having someone else write your your material all the right. time and waiting, you know, going to auditions and waiting for things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but specifically, you know, not just music, but alt country music, yeah. where it's like it's it seems like it's stock and trade as, as authenticity right. in some way. It's like country music for city dwellers. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of what all country is. So I, yeah. how, like w- coming from a musical theater background, right. what music was it that you were hearing that made you get into alt country? Well, what? the funny thing was that I never, even though I'm from South Carolina, never ever listened to or liked country music when I was growing up. I hated it. And the reason I hated it is because I didn't know anything about it. I was just ignorant about it. I, you know, there were certain like cultural things that I associated it with that were things I didn't like. So I decided I didn't like that music and I never listened to it. My parents didn't listen to it. So I grew up listening to like more of all the musical theater type stuff. And I think um, there are just, there's some great, amazing songwriters that are in in that genre of music. And I, I would, I think the storytelling side of it is, is maybe where those two things meet. Um, it's a, a lot of the musical theater. I think they theater. more wave than meet. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of the musical <laughs> theater stuff is, you know, it's telling a story or yeah, getting yeah. a, you know, advancing the story. Right, right, Maybe. Right. And, and... They do share similarities. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's, that's yeah. I guess, what maybe what you're getting at. I mean, for yeah. me, they just seem so different that I can't... I have a hard time imagining, right. like, living together. But, like, you know, maybe they had a one-night stand or... Yeah. You know, well, maybe no, they... they're very different. But I I think it, it, it was the idea of telling a story you know, that appeals to me. And that, those are the songs that appeal to me the most. Um, the songs that, that tell a story or, or advance a story. But where did it come from though? Like what was there like a specific artist that's one day you were at a party and someone was playing an Emmylou Harris record or like, what was it? Well, Emmylou Harris is, you mentioned Emmylou Harris. I mean, yeah, that, uh, the thing that happened was when I started writing songs, people said to me, you sing country songs. And I said, no, I don't. I don't even like country music. What are you talking about? You know, that's, you know, for Hicks and Hillbillies and stuff. And, um, but something there was some kind of dormant <laughs> country music gene yeah. that that came out when I when I wrote, and so people kept saying, "Oh, you sing country," and so I was like, "Well, you know, let me check this out." And before that, the only country music I even remotely liked that the only artist that I really loved in in that genre was Johnny Cash. Okay, so all I knew was Johnny Cash. So I started started with, one, with Johnny Cash. That's a good place to start. And then after Johnny Cash, I um I found Emmy Lou Harris, and um 
through Amy Lou Harris, I really found everyone else because she had all these great albums that right. where she was singing songs by all these other people, Hank Williams and the Carter family and Merle Haggard and Buck Owens and a lot of people that I'd never listened to before. Right. And it takes you directly to Graham Parsons. And right. also she's buddies with Steve Earle. And she's also buddies yeah. uh, with um, Buddy Miller, playing right. her band. So you've got that aspect yeah. of it. So you know, yes, it's a good, it's, right? It's a good place to jump. So in. it was sort of that. That and when I heard Amy Lou Harris, that was when I said, okay, if this is country music, then I sing country music. I'm okay with it, you know. And um, that's how I kind of fell into that. And this, this sounds like a good opportunity to actually play a song. Yeah. And when we, we, I name dropped Steve Earle just a minute ago. You've got a song called The Mountain, uh-huh. which is not Steve Earle's song. No. Or not Steve Earle's album. He had an album called The Mountain, too. But so what's yours about? Um, I wrote this song one day when I was getting fed up with the music business. My dad... <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> My dad says that I get to eat chicken one day and feathers the next. And I tell people I wrote this song on one of those feather-eating days. And... Um, I was just looking for a little bit of encouragement, so uh, I thought about writing like an old school gospel song, and that's what this is. Yeah. This is the mountain. Fantastic. The South has such good aphorisms for songwriting. Yeah. I really think it's why like a guy like Jason Isbell, like modern age ace crack songwriter yourself, uh, Sturgill Simpson, people who are yeah. writing in the modern tradition, like they still can draw upon that Southern thing. Uh, whatever it is, right? You know, other yeah. other you know other regions have their own thing too. There's the California sound and the Seattle thing, the yeah. Athens thing, the Chicago thing, the Boston thing, Minneapolis thing, whatever it is. But the South has these deep roots, which are different from other other roots. And my I I get so many songwriting idea, ideas when I go home to visit my yeah. my relatives, my yeah. grandparents, my aunts and uncles. I just listen to them talk, and I'm always writing stuff down. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in a song. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Angela Easterling from South Carolina, her wingman and uh, guitarist. Also, he sings some too. Brandon Turner. You can learn everything you need to know about her and them at AngelaEasterling.com. This is her song, The Mountain, from Common Law Wife on Independence Day. If you could give me just one break, Lord, just one break, Lord, that's all I need. Just some mercy on my journey. For this darkness is all I see Cause I've been climbing up to meet you On my hands and on my knees With all my weakness, my good shepherd Won't you please watch over me Someday I'm gonna make it up to that mountain Far beyond the devil's reach I can't keep my eyes looking towards that fountain Where the sanctified your blessings reach Well, the master of confusion Seeks to destroy my every gain I'll be in vain Someday I'm gonna make it up to that mountain Far beyond the devil's reach I can't keep my eyes looking towards that fountain 
Where the sanctified your blessings be Thank you so much for listening to Independence Day. Uh, we come to you every other Wednesday night. We've got a lot of other content out there as well. You can go on YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash videos. Our main website, indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y, if you don't know that by now. 140, almost 150 episodes on there. You can also follow us on Twitter, and we've got an Instagram thing too, Instagram slash indepday. Lots of pictures of dogs, mostly, I think, is on there. <laughs> Uh, this week's guest, Angela Easterling. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Glad to be Pretty, here. Brandon, we haven't talked to you in a while. Say yeah. something, man. Thank you. Glad to, good to be here. <laughs> Dude, you've got this, you you've us. got the southern thing, like the southern male thing down. Like I feel yeah. like I'm related to you because every time I go to Alabama, there's people I'm related to like you who just don't talk very much. But when they do say something, it's very poignant. Yeah. So say something poignant. Some, something poignant. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. He's setting them up yeah. knocking them yeah. down. <laughs> Perfect. Perfectly executed. Yeah. Uh, now tell me, what's it like working with her? Like, you know, she hired you to just play in her band initially, right? I mean, was it one of those moments where you showed up and it's like, oh, this is another gig and she's kind of cute? Like, how did how did that go? Yeah, we just started uh, uh, playing playing together and originally in an electric band i guess playing mm-hmm. with a four-piece and uh, and then we started doing some when we started doing some duo shows when we started really traveling together and spending more time together and and getting to know each other and it just uh we had uh, i guess a, a lot of things in common you know other than music apparently and uh something to talk about simpatico <laughs> yeah and so musically speaking uh where what did you know what did you or do you bring to the organization that's different from what she has uh try to uh, well and well I did probably more with the this most recent record than I have because this uh, the, this is the second record I've been on I guess okay the third. Third, third okay the third third, third album uh, but the the this current record is the first one that I actually had a hand in the, the production aspect okay. of, of songs and and helping with some arrangements of tunes I mean Angela had already written I mean the songs were there but uh, she, you know, she came to me with just you know, uh, help you know, or, or Focus c- come things. up with something, uh, a, a hook, you know, a lead in for this, mm-hmm. or, or or something to do in the in the bridge section or something, and we would uh, figure those things out. So we we were actually worked together. A, more on this last record than in the past. He also helped a lot with song selection because, I've, you know, I always have a lot more songs. Are you pretty prolific then? Then, well, I not I'm not like one of those people that's writing songs every day. But when I'm writing for an album, I will just really write a bunch of stuff, and in sort of a short period of time. 
That's and one I, thing I tried to encourage her to do for this record was, you know, if you wanted to, if you plan to yeah. put 10 or 11 songs on the album, right. try to write at least 15 or 16 yeah. that, you know, we could yeah. you know, cut and, from. Yeah, and then I would bring the songs to him, and, and you know, it was one thing I, uh, that I think we both really wanted for this album was for, there to, for it to be really cohesive. Um, sometimes it's dif- that's difficult for me because I have so many different musical influences that I wind up like, this is a bluegrass song, and this is a rock and roll song, and this is, you know, and it's trying to get these th- things together and have a cohesive sound and have, like, a, you know, a cohesive... I don't want to say sort of message, but maybe storyline or through line that kind of connects the songs together. And that was one way that Brandon really helped me was was saying, you know, this is a good song, but I don't think it belongs on this yeah. album. And and That's as the writer, it's make. hard to, you know, sometimes hard to hear that myself. But with his, you know, sort of outside ears on the song, um, that was really helpful, I think, also. Big yeah. part of it. Well, since we've kind of stumbled across this, let's let's talk about writing just, yeah. just a little bit. Every artist approaches it a little bit differently. Um, you know, I always find when I go into do a project, uh, I I don't know that there's a theme, but then there always winds up being a theme. Right. You know, I won't go so far as to say like concept album. It's yeah, not like the yeah, wall yeah. or you know something like that. But I mean, you know, both my records, you know, definitely had an overarching mm-hmm. like feel that was became very evident right. as I was getting into the record. And then certain yeah. songs had to be left off for that very reason. It didn't yeah. really musically it was fine, it just didn't hang with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then for you, I mean are you know, I, I can tell you what my pet topics are, like off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but did, do you have things that like specific topics that you find yourself coming back to often? You know, I always write about yeah. summer, like a lot. I write about being outside a lot. Uh, relationships, of right. course. You know, Springsteen writes about cars and girls. It's kind of a joke in a way, but it's true. Yeah. Like musicians have the things they write about. Yeah, I definitely do. I, one thing that comes up on pretty much every album I've had out is the land. Um, we live on a farm where I spent a lot of time growing up. We live there now. Um, and it's it's family land that goes way back in my family. And so and it's just such a part of me. It's like another family member, and it's something that's just always in my consciousness that I'm, you know, I'm always having, have a song on an album that addresses it or talks about it. And I'm also really interested in history and, and, uh, kind of how history affects present day social issues. So I'll generally have a song or two on the album that, that either deals with a historical event that I've feel like is relevant to now or or something along those lines like I I'm always really drawn to things like that those are that's what interests me yeah. and um I'll have some songs on there that are you know personal obviously like the common law wife song that's just yeah. really personal but I tend to not put out a whole album that is just songs about me and my life I I find that really hard uh hard to do because I I get bored with myself yeah <laughs> Do you do third person stuff too? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. a lot of fun. People, you know, Mark Knopfler. Let's think about the song "Money for Nothing," mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it was a huge selling song back in the eighties. Yeah, you know, Dire Straits had been a big band, but it put them into the stratosphere for a while. And I think Mark Knopfler is still touring on money. Yeah, you know that he and fans that he earned in that period. Um, but there's a he mentions the word, I'm just going to say, he mentions the word faggot in that mm-hmm. song. You know, a little faggot with the earring and the makeup. Yeah, buddy, yeah. that's his own hair. But that's not Mark Knopfler. Right, that's, that's right. That's a character. Yeah. You know, so he took flack for it at the time. You know, other people will write things like that too. And they can, you can, that's a way that as a writer, you can write horrific things and you mm-hmm. can actually do horrific things 
two people in songs. I mean, yeah. I don't mean that in a vindictive way. Right, right. But you know, you can. Uh, who's that author? He's like, you know, my my I, I torture all my characters. Yeah. You know, is the is the yeah kind of thing. I do I do that a lot. I find that. Um, you know, I, even if the song is not from my point of view, like like throwing strikes, the the main person in that song is a male, but yeah. I still say I and me and it and I right. because I again it comes down to again to telling the story, and I find for me, you know, one of the most compelling voices in the story is the narrator. If it's right. the person that that is telling you the story, and this happened to me. Um, have a song called The Picture from my Blacktop Road album that I wrote because my aunt told me about um, uh, one of her friends whose father had passed away and she found a photograph of a lynching that was left behind and she couldn't ask her father about, you know, any of the questions that, that why did you have this? What's going on? And, you know, yeah. he was gone. And I was just like, I have got wow. to write a song about that. And, and when I started approaching it, you know, obviously this woman was in her 60s, her dad was 90. And, and I was trying to think of like how I could write it. And I was like, the only way I can write this song is from her point of view and say I and me and daddy and talk to her dad yeah. from that, from that narrative voice, you know, which, and that confuses people sometimes. They're like, did your dad really do that? A snow, <laughs> you know. Well, but see, I would totally, I would pull a page out of like the Tom Waits <laughs> playbook at that point and just say and not say yeah yeah you know, because that's that, true like preserving the element of mystery is an right. important element of the sh- of showbiz in general but it's you know, so it might be true it might not be true but right. I'm not one to say that's right and I, I think it's so much more effective to speak in that voice than to say here's what happened to this other person over here yeah. you know I think it it, it could, it's so much more effective to even if it didn't happen to you so yeah I kill people in my songs and yeah. and I, I do all kind of stuff that I don't do in real life <laughs> yeah well that's the, I mean that's the artistic license that's so that the wonderful thing about songwriting is that you can go anywhere it's like yeah. this wonderful tabula rasa right complete blank slate that you can populate with anything and anyone mm-hmm. and any time and any situation that you see fit. That's true. You know, and then what I love about artists, and I'm kind of curious to see where you're going to go with this, is what of, because there's always a little bit of you in there. Uh-huh. You know, even yeah. in those songs where yeah. it's a horrific person. Right. You're tapping into some aspect of your personality yeah. or some aspect of your life. Right. And, you know, the best artists that I know of, like I said, won't say. Yeah. Whether this is part of me or part of not me, but it has to be in some respect, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it you wouldn't write it if there wasn't something in the narrative or something in the the message or whatever you're trying to get across in the song. You wouldn't write it unless there was a part of you. Yeah. Um have a song called Arkansas Murder Ballad in which a, a pregnant woman kills her husband and then herself. Oh, yeah. uh, it's pretty dark. Um, I would not do that. But I try to, in the song, I try to get into her mindset of where she is at that moment, how she got there. I try to tell the audience how she got to that point. And, um, and obviously, you know, you have to be able to relate to these characters you're creating. Otherwise, how can you expect yeah. the audience to relate? And there's a long tradition of that in country music yeah. as well. I mean, very, yeah. very, 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 very long and rich and bloody tradition. I noticed in your, your press material, you've, you've, you've played with uh, Charlie Leuven. Yeah. At some point, I mean, yeah. talk about Knoxville girl. <laughs> let's let's not talk about the racist. I know that oh, I, I, yeah, other people that yeah. I know that have met him. Yeah. I don't want to talk. I want to talk ill of the man, but yeah, I've heard some, yeah, yeah. I've heard some pretty questionable things about some attitudes that he has. But yeah. set that aside for a Unfortunately. second. Like those Leuven Brothers songs. Aside from teaching everyone in country music how to sing and how right. to sing harmony, um, like that is some dark. 
dark, yeah. dark stuff. I th- that Knoxville Girl has got to be one of the most dark songs ever. And the fact that they're sitting there singing it with this beautiful, pristine, yeah. sibling, heavenly harmony makes it even more dark and twisted yeah. than it would than it would be if someone say like Johnny Cash was singing it who yeah. has a, a you know the darkness that comes through it's like they're sin- sitting here singing so sweetly about yeah dragging her around mm. by her golden curls and her bloody you know yeah. <laughs> and everything it's like oh my god it's, what is up with these guys it's that juxtaposition that's so amazing though, I know you know uh that i i've always liked Happy music with sad lyrics. Yeah. You know, or yeah. happy sounding music with sad lyrics, or even yeah. vice, it's harder to do vice versa. But I mean, some of my favorite music is depressing music. It always yeah. has been. I, I don't feel like I'm personally depressed, and it doesn't make right. me depressed when I listen to Nick Drake, for example. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make me depressed. Yeah. But I, I there's, it just, there's a depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to, just to, to shift just a little bit, like talking about songwriting in general, mm-hmm. like the narrator versus third person, et cetera, uh, there's a guy like Randy Newman. Who he didn't make this up, but the concept of the untrustworthy narrator. Yeah. Where he's speaking from his first person, which is really third person, and he's talking right. about something that he's BSing right. that he did. And I yeah. love that perspective too. It's that's it's, great. Songwriting is such a fun, fun thing. Yeah. You're good at it. It's fun to it's fun to hear what you're good at. So about, <laughs> this next song, what's this gonna be? While we're talking about songwriting, let's yeah. hear something you've actually written. What's this next one? Well, this is Blacktop Road. I mentioned about our farm, and we live on a farm that's been in my family since 1791, and it's still a working family farm to this good day. Good Lord Almighty. And uh so we it used to be out, you know. It was all country and farms where our farm is, but now our farm is right in the middle of the suburb, and it's the last open land in the whole area, and we're surrounded on all sides by housing developments and condos, and they're putting in a grocery store across the street, and (laughs) it was funny... uh, Earlier this year, our cows got out, and Brandon had to oh, Lord. go out and round them up out of mm-hmm. people's yards and swimming pools and stuff because <laughs> they were out in the suburbs. Wow. But anyway, a lot of people, uh, real estate development, development types, want to uh, take our land and build something else on it. And yeah. in recent years, my family's really had to fight to keep it a farm. Yeah. And so that's what this next song is about. It's called Blacktop Road. A few years ago, they uh, came through and built a new road through there and took a bunch of our land for it and really just like treated us like dirt. Yeah, and minute domain and it just made me really mad and um i just had to write a song about it because that's yeah. what i do and so it's blacktop road can i tell you a little story yeah uh outside of huntsville alabama which is the town of my birth in mm-hmm. northern alabama where i still have lots of relatives uh, a friend of my cousin we were back in high school and we drove out to their house to pick him up and then go whatever you know shoot bottle rockets out of people's yeah. mailboxes or whatever you're going to do when you're 18 years old or 16 years old and we went down their road and they were in the middle of nowhere, it seems like they lived, you know, and they were packing up stuff. I was like, well, where are you, where are you going? Like, well, you know, we, we done sold the family farm. I'm adding some yeah. Southern vernacular in there, but, and I, so I got to asking his parents about it. They were there and he's like, well, they're, they're going to put in a mall. And yeah. it was the middle of nowhere. Yeah. The middle of nowhere. And like a mall. I'm like, yeah, but we made, they made millions. Yeah. Millions as in plural. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, I I think they were sad about it. Yeah. But the, I mean, and this is not to say that it's good or bad or your right. choice is good or bad or either choice is good or bad. But in their case, I mean, the money was so much that, you know, they could buy any number of farms yeah. anywhere else. You know, I, mean, I don't know if that was in their family since the 1700s. Probably yeah. not. Right. So I certainly understand and respect anybody's right and desire to want to hold on to that land. But they opted to move. And that's it. You know, we were talking about this song. Uh, that's exactly what it made me think of because they yeah. kind of 
took that next step, yeah. sold the farm, moved somewhere else. And now when you go to that place, they're not kidding. It's a giant I mean, it's been there for now for 20 years, this wow. mall, or 15 years. It's a yeah. huge mall, and it's surrounded by other malls, and that mall's surrounded by other malls. Yeah, and that's it's what like they the do. Ways, that's what they do. <laughs> they build you know? more and more. They, you know, they get in an area where they're building, and they're, you know, that's what happened with us. I mean, we could have some land somewhere else that nobody would care about. It just happened to be that our land is right in the middle of where yeah. they're building. And the yeah. woods where I grew up, we didn't own that property, but I grew up in an agricultural area in way, way west of Chicago. You know, it was all cornfields and soybean mm-hmm. fields back then. But then they tore out my woods where I used to, you know, build cre- or build uh, Dam the Creek and build forts and chop down trees and climb up silos and everything. They put in an outlet mall, which is even yeah. worse. Oh. To me, like that's, the, that's like insult to injury. It's not just a mall. It's an outlet mall because people yeah. need more junk. Well, we don't, they're not going to make any more land. That's yeah. the thing. I'm, and, and, uh, you know, you get to the point where you think, you know, where, where are we going to, where yeah. are we going to get our food from? Where, you know, isn't it people are getting more and more into like locally sourced ingredients and locally grown food? But if you build on every last local farm, you're not going to have that anymore. So I don't know. I think sometimes, uh, priorities get a little bit misguided when you make the dollar the bottom line. Um, yeah, we could sell our farm and we would have millions of dollars, but but how long would that money last? And it would be gone, and and you wouldn't have that land that goes back. Right. I mean, it's such a cherished part of our history. And where are you going to go? Yeah, you know, are you going to you know uh, sooner or later we're going to have all of Montana going to be malls? Yeah. Too? You know, and that's the thing. When you have land, you always have something. You could lose your job or something could happen to you and you could you could go out there and plant a garden and you would have something to eat. Yeah. I mean, if worse came to worse, if you've got land, you've you've actually got something that that is of value, What's of Tim, actual value. Tim Blake Nelson's character from A Brother Where Art Thou? He says, a man ain't no kind of man if he ain't got land. <laughs> And that applies for a woman too, I think it's humankind. Anyway, all right, so (laughs) that was a nice little tangent there. But it really ties into the song, I think, and ties into your concept before you said about writing about the land and writing about how we're connected to it or becoming disconnected from it these days. All right, so Angela Easterling, so proud to have her on the show. And this is the song Blacktop Road, title track from her album Blacktop Road on Independence Day. They got telephone poles where our trees had been. Ripped up by a pasture, put a sidewalk in Yeah, that big voice of progress that you've got to go We're gonna lay us a black top roll We're gonna lay us a black top roll Well, I tore down the house my great-granddaddy built When my grandpa was born and my mama took her first steps yeah, but nobody cared about the stories it told. This spot was just right for a blacktop road. It was a perfect spot for a blacktop road. Yeah, yeah, blacktop road, blacktop road. They're gonna lay them a blacktop road. Don't you try to complain? Do as you're told. Get out of the way of that blacktop road. Flowers back when she was my age. They still bloom here every year, though she's gone to her grave. Well, they won't be here tomorrow, and that I know they're gonna pave them right over with a blacktop road. Gonna cover them over, blacktop road. 
act up, oh, don't you try to complain. Do as you're told. Get out the way of that black top road. Get out the way of that black top road. But crime, this can't happen in the USA. They said you better shut up, we'll take your farm away. Then I thought they'd be friendly, maybe throw some bone. They stopped our family name on that black top road. Now family names on that black top road. Yeah, yeah, black top road, black top road. They're gonna lay them a black top road. Don't you try to complain, do as you're told. Get out the way of that black top road, black top road, black top road. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you so very much for listening to Independence Day. So happy to bring you all these artists, almost 150 of them now. Angela Easterling is my latest one. Hi, Angela. Hi. Thank you so much. Thank you. Say hello, Brendan. It's been a pleasure. Hello, Brendan. I keep calling you. Oh, the, no. Man, he's perfect. He's great that I set him up. It's exactly he's how a, it's supposed to go. He seems yeah. quiet, but he's a funny guy. He's got yeah, quite of course. a sense of humor. It's the Southern thing. These came up before. Like the Southern, I know so many, like it's an archetypal Southern male thing where they don't talk, but when they do talk, it's always good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they save them up. They don't, they don't give any other B material. Yeah. It's always the A material. <laughs> top, top shelf. Top shelf. Exactly. That's the, that's the 18 year old stuff there in the back. Um, one thing I want to talk about, you have a unique distinction as far as I know. I think I had one other guest on the show who was pregnant, Oh, <laughs> but she didn't tell me she was pregnant oh, okay. and has since had the baby. So yeah. you are the first <laughs> out openly. of the closet, openly <laughs> pregnant person, woman I've had on the show. First of all, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. It's a wonderful and beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. And this is your second child. This is, yeah, we've got a little boy who's two and a half. His name's Harrison. Harrison. And what I want to talk about, I mean, this is, I'm sure everyone asks you about this kind uh-huh. of thing, but I, I, I think it's fascinating because it's yeah. not, as far as I can tell, it has not changed your tack in terms of your career. I mean, it's changed it a little bit, right. but it hasn't, you know, pulled the plug. Right. It's, it's, it's slowed things down a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm not able to tour as constantly or as much as I used to. I used to go out on the road for six weeks at a time and I just can't really do that anymore. So I've, I've had to like try to look for opportunities that were closer to home and play a lot more closer to home than I used to. And then when we do go out on tour, we try to just hit it as hard as we can, do as much as we can, get back home, go back out again. You know, we're kind of going out and coming back and going out and coming back rather than staying gone for long periods of time. Um, I also don't have as much time to put into booking stuff and and all of that. But um, we're so lucky that we, where we live, we've got a huge family both Brandon's family and my family are, are relatively close by. Um, my mom lives in Vermont, but even she comes down for part of the year. So we really lean on them very hard. And, and they we, must be supportive. If, oh, yeah. I'm assuming Harrison is 
That's where he's with right now. He's with the family members. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, he's back east. So we've he's, never had to leave him with a with a babysitter or a stranger. Yeah. He's he's always he's always stayed with you know my parents or Brandon's parents or my aunt or one of Brandon's aunts, and he's the only grandchild on both sides of the family oh, right now. So he is upon. very very spoiled and loved, and and um, we could not do it without that. I mean, we've you know even we've you know talked about you know should we move somewhere else or could we live somewhere else and. And we, what we would be giving up in terms of childcare, I don't, I don't think we could do that. So part of the key to that is being located where we are. Yeah. And uh, luckily, where we live is a great place for live music. There's lots of gigs and places that we can play. And Brandon, he plays not only with me, he plays with with several other artists. And he's usually playing about every night of the week. Cool. When we're when we're back home, so that's one of the ways that we make it work. You know, it's just. We didn't know if we we're gonna be able to do it, and it's and even now with another one on the way, it's still kind of like, are we still gonna be able to do it? You know, yeah. we don't know. It's just you know, it's a kind of a learning curve. We just take take it one one day at a time. Yeah, well, kudos to you first of all for not giving up on it because I think that's one thing that I, I think it's actually this is my just my opinion. I think it's better for the kids if the parents don't give up on all their stuff yeah. when the kids come because the kids need to learn that too. Right, there's the things that you do in their life, and of course, kids are of paramount importance. That's yeah. a little human, yeah. you know, you're taking yeah. care of there and, and rearing as the proper phrase. As yeah. I understand, you raise corn and you rear children. <laughs> um, but uh, to, to keep doing that and to have the kid or the children, anyone's children, yeah. seeing their parents doing that is, it teaches them a very, very important lesson, I think. You know, yeah. how does he react to this? You know, mom and dad, oh, they're musicians. I mean, they would, they're oh, going to grow whatever's their life is normal to them. Yeah, it's it's very ordinary for him. It's um, And he seems really interested in music, and Brandon's really great with him. Like, he'll sit down and play the piano with him and show him how to how to do things, and he loves to sing. He he um, he comes out to our show sometimes, and uh, and and uh, he's uh, one of Angela's songs that he likes to sing off the new record. Uh, Harrison will will give him a mic and actually plug it on, plug it in, and, and, and he will sit and sing with her. Oh, very cool. Yeah, at two, so, yeah. two years cool. old, and yeah. he he has no stage fright or or there's no qualms about it, and it's not like we're not trying to get him to come sing. We're not like being stage parents. He wants to sing, and actually, once we let him sing, it's kind of hard to get him to sit mm-hmm. back yeah. down because it it's just a very it's very natural for him. You know, where's where's daddy? Is daddy at the show? Or yeah. you know, mommy and daddy are gone to the show. It's just you know, it's just a, such a natural just life. That's it's his a little funny life. Point. I'm imagining him like drawing out Knoxville girl murder ballad <laughs> scenes with his crayons and yeah. finger paints. You know, like where and that's a funny thing. Like how, you know, music, especially the music that you do, you know, it involves things like murder ballads. It yeah, involves adult things, things. Like adult themes. Like you know where. You know, just like just like anything else for a kid, you just got to ease him into it, I guess. Yeah. You know, well, the, the world is all that stuff. The world is all true. the beauty and all the the joy and all the sorrow and all yeah. the death and all the ecstasy is all part of it. That's true, and you don't. I mean, I think we don't talk down to him. You know, if if uh, we try to explain things in a way that he could understand, but I don't think that we talk down to him, and he he. He has like three different things he likes to listen to in the car. He likes to listen to Johnny Cash, The Beach Boys, and Elmo. So two out of three ain't bad. 
<laughs> and actually, those are the things he always requests. Yeah, you know, to listen to. He and he likes Johnny Cash, and and you know, Johnny Cash certainly sings about yeah. a lot of really dark stuff. And so, you know, we'll you know someday might have to explain some of those things. But, that Elmo gets pretty dark. Sometimes. Oh, Elmo! Yeah, yeah you got to watch out for Elmo. <laughs> Yeah, and his older stuff, man. You know. yeah, the early, the <laughs> early, early Elmo, Elmo years. Yeah. Before he sold out, man. Elmo was hardcore. You know, Part of that New York scene. Yeah. Uh, in any case, we've got about enough time for one more song. Yeah. Tell me why you've chosen this particular song. I mean, this is a beautiful song. Yeah. I mean, it seems like almost everybody knows this song. It's, yeah. it's absolutely gorgeous. I can't wait to hear how you guys do it. But why this song? I love, uh, I love Neil Young. I'm a huge fan. And um, I just love this song. It's something that, you know, it has lyrics that you can't, you can't quite grasp what they're about, but they paint a visual picture that is so comforting. And um, I also love this song for the reason that you said, because everybody knows it. And when we play it at a live show, people will join in and sing along and they're just, they're always really happy to hear yeah. it. And there's pressure though, when you do such a well-known song, yeah. we're talking, uh, we'll hear it in just a second, but when you do a song that everybody knows, you better not screw it up, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it has to be, and it has to be, you know, in this case, it's a beautiful song. You know, kind of a, a, a wistful song. Right. Um, and you have to capture that as well as do your own thing with it because it's right. no point in doing it if you're just going to yeah. ape it Play entirely, it. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, let me ask you this. What, what do you bring to this song? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I, I guess I just try to infuse my own hope and longing into it when I sing it. Yeah. And... Uh, I just love to sing it. It just it just feels like a really good song to sing. Okay. And tell yeah. me what this is. This is Helpless by Neil Young. All right. One of my favorites, Angela Easterling with Brandon Turner on Independence Day.
Lovely stuff. Very, very thank nice. You. Thank you. That was fantastic, guys. Oh, thank you. I appreciate when, it. When we were setting up in here, I couldn't resist because we were talking about... Neil Young came up because I yeah. think we were going to do this song, and I pulled out my copy of After the Gold Rush that yeah. my neighbor gave me. It looks like it's been run over by a combine and left out in the <laughs> rain for a couple of years. But it sounds gorgeous. Yeah. And there's there's something about Neil Young. Uh, I can't place it. You know, there's like the big... like He's my, he's my Bob Dylan. Right. Some people's Bob Dylan is Bob Dylan. And that right. makes sense. He's certainly earned it. Yeah. But for me, my my... Bob Dylan is Neil Young. Yeah. The music is the music aspect of it. The the harmonic structure of his music is a little more interesting to me than Dylan's music. All due respect, yeah. Bob. Um, so great, great work with that. Thank you. And we've Thank come you. to the time where I ask. I've got a new, a kind of a newish thing where I ask what I call my favorite question. Okay. And it's an open ended question, so I want you to answer it any whatever whatever you think of. And I want you both to answer this. But what makes you happy? What makes me happy is is uh, being alive and being a mom and playing with my little boy and going out and playing shows and singing songs and writing songs and eating really good food. Yeah. That's what makes me happy. <laughs> it is. I, you know, food, food's good. I'm hungry. I can, I could eat. Yeah. Brandon, how about you? Your radio show, Joe, has uh, made me very Man, happy today. You know how to do it. You know how to butter a guy yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> you better watch him to come over there and give you a peck on the cheek in here in a minute. That was, oh, that's very kind of it. But seriously, other than my radio show, which obviously makes you very happy, like, just give me one thing. <laughs> Like anything to make fishing, it. fishing. Oh, good, yeah, absolutely, good choice. We mentioned yeah. that before. Kind of bookending things just mm-hmm. a little bit. So you've got some other shows coming up, not too yeah. terribly long from now. Let me pull this over here. There we go. So um, got some a local show coming up in South Carolina mm-hmm. very, very shortly here at Sunny's Brick Oven Pizza. They have good yeah. pizza there. Oh yeah, yeah, they do, <laughs> and they're they're very supportive of a songwriter local songwriter community. They do a songwriter night every Sunday night, so that's what we'll man. Be I would. That's the funny thing about LA. You know, for all of the industry stuff here, you know, everybody's jaded is a word that I, it's a very, very loaded word. I don't mm-hmm. want to use that, but like everybody's a player. Yeah. And, you know, and you can always tell the guitar players at your show because they're sitting right down in front with their arms crossed, <laughs> you know, and you can all, you know, and it's, and everybody's a player, but you know, your friend, friends are pretty supportive and that's right. a great thing. And having talented friends is a wonderful thing, yeah. Oh, yeah. but to make a living in music, you need people more than just musicians coming right. to your shows because they're notoriously cheap. Right. I'm looking at you, musicians. You know it's to be true. We don't make a lot of money, so we get. Yeah, you know. they don't buy other people's CDs. <laughs> yeah, you got to give. You got to give it away to your friends. Uh, there's one last thing I didn't. I want to ask you about before yeah. we skate on out of here. Um, the uh, the Kerrville Folk Festival is yeah. something that is mentioned very much. You've you've had some accolades from that, mm-hmm. like some kind of I don't know what they call it exactly, like a runner up or honorable mention or some kind finalist, of finalist, new folk finalist, new, new folk finalist, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a whole scene that Kerrville. Oh, thing. Oh yeah, talk to me just a really bit of, uh, for a minute about that, and we'll get on out of here. Um, well, there's lots of, you know, songwriting contests or competitions and, you know, you never really know how valid they are, but the Kerrville, uh, new folk has been going on, I think since the early seventies and, um, it was started by, um, uh, several people, including, uh, Peter, Paul and Mary. And, um, some of the previous finalists have been folks like Nancy Griffith and Steve Earle and Lyle Lovett. And Lucinda Williams and, and, you know, it's just like it's really a proving ground for songwriters. And I've been a finalist three times. So it's just, it's a huge honor because you go down there and you see all the other finalists and they're it's just incredible. Yeah. They are writing, there are people out there just writing incredible songs and to be counted among them, you know, three times in the last few years is, yeah. is something that's very, you know, 
very big honor and very humbling. Also, congratulations. Thank you. Seems like you should get a big red button or something. I know. <laughs> you know, I've got it in my mind. <laughs> it's such an. I mean, it's an art that I love and I revere and I participate in. But it's such an esoteric art. This songwriting oh, yeah. thing. It's hard to make a living at it. So right. it's like being a teacher. The people who go into this aren't doing it because they want to get wealthy at it. Yeah. They're doing it because they can't not do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I and I certainly understand that. So yeah. keep at it. You Thank know? you. It's great to hear. And come back and see us when you're in California. Absolutely, I sure will. You know, when baby's not here, we'll hoist a pint. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hoist a pint good. to babies, to music, to songwriting, to uh, the Leuven Brothers, and all the other wonderful things we've talked about today. So yeah. thank you guys both so much. Thank, thank you, Joe. We appreciate you it. having it's us. Been fantastic to get to know you. So thank you very much to Angela Easterling and Brandon Turner, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The relentless Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Be sure to check them out. They're fantastic. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.